This is the SBI Show. Hello, everybody. It is Saturday, the day after the big U.S. England match. And as you know by now, it ended 0 0. And while there were no goals and there was no victory, there was an impressive performance by the U.S. men's national team. They picked up a point and they picked up a ton of respect after outplaying the highly favored English. And say what you want, when you look at that England lineup, I'm pretty sure a lot of people were looking at that matchup and thinking, oh, England's going to roll. They're just going to steamroll the Americans. But uh, you don't know this team. And you don't know the character and the attitude and the heart that this group has. And they showed it. As much as the Wales game was a disappointment and they should have gotten all three points against the Welsh, I'd say a draw was a fair result against England. But the U.S. was the better team. And I know there aren't many people who, outside of the U.S. Who would, have, who would have thought that. But that's the reality. That's what we saw at Albite Stadium in Qatar. And uh, credit to the, the midfield, credit to all of the entire 11. And credit to Greg Berhalter. I know he's become the whipping boy. A lot of U.S. fans uh, love to rag on him. Get on him for his decisions and 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 some of the moves he makes, his substitution patterns. Uh, you name it, he gets he gets ragged on by some fans. But I tell you what, you you look at some of the decisions coming into this match, some of the tactical maneuvers coming into this match, and he, I think he did a great job with this particular match. When the match began, we saw the starting lineup, and I know some people thought, well, Iran beat Wales. All of a sudden, that that. Well, that finale against Iran is, is, is everything. Even before USA-England, it had pretty much been established that the U.S. needs to go beat Iran. That's got to happen. So some people were suggesting, why not put out a B team against England? Save your starters, save your first choice players and have them for the all-important third match. But that is a bit of a defeatist attitude. It's like you're just going to surrender to England, as if you don't think you can beat England, as if you don't think you can go toe-to-toe with England. Well, I tell you what, this U.S. team thought that, they believed that, Greg Berhalter believed that, his players believed that, and he put out a full-strength team. He put, he put out, well, some people would argue if it's the full-strength team, but he kept all but one of the same starters from the Wales match, and the only change, Haji Wright, for Josh Sargent. And it seemed a risk when you look at the yellow card situation, when you look at some of the fitness concerns regarding Weston McKinney and Sergio Dest. And I tell you what, before the match, when I saw Dest and McKinney start, I thought, ooh, is that, are they okay? Are they going to be ready? Are they, can they go and give you the, 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 the minutes that you need? Because let's be clear, ne- neither had a great game against Wales. But guess what? They stepped up and they delivered against England, both of them. Weston McKinney, Virginia Des Des was balling. Weston McKinney balling. And they weren't alone. And I will say, the beginning of the match was a little tenuous. The first 5, 10, 10 to 15, England was in control. They had the ball. They, they, they had the U.S. on their heels a bit. And, and, you know, whether it's nerves or whether it's just adapting and trying to figure things out, because there were some tactical changes for the U.S., Defensively, they were they were lining up in a bit of a four four two, away from the traditional four three three. 
And that wrinkle, that change helped them deal with England and helped them contain that English attack. And again, credit to Greg Berhalter, set that up. Him and his staff made that decision. They saw the setup from England. They knew the threats. And they set this U.S. team up and they set this U.S. defense up to stifle England's attack. And that's what they did. And you can go up and down the line. So many players played well. Christian Pulisic, he was man of the match. I mean, for me, he wasn't man of the match, but he played well. He was active. He was the best Chelsea player on the field. Better than Raheem Sterling, better than Mason Mount, better than players who regularly play ahead of him at Chelsea. And maybe that was a bit of a motivation. Probably not. I mean, he had enough motivation for this match, but Pulisic played well. It was a really solid performance uh, from the team, you know, Uh, obviously against a good opponent. um, You know, a draw is not the worst thing, but I felt like there were stretches of the game where we... You know, we showed dominance and we had a lot of the play and, and even created chances and, uh, you know, even could have won the game. But all in all, I thought we managed it quite well and uh, to come out with a, with a draw is, uh, yeah, a, you know, a decent result. I felt like, you know, we were a team out there um, who showed a lot of confidence and, and battled toe-to-toe with, uh, with a, you know, a very solid team. Um, so, uh, you, know, you know, we did that for, you know, everyone back home watching. I hope we made a lot of people proud. Um, but the job's not even close to done, so, uh, so we got a lot of work left to do. My man of the match, once again, Tyler Adams. And there were a few candidates for man of the match, to be clear. It wasn't, it wasn't an easy, uh, easy decision for man of the match because you had a handful of guys who all put in great shifts. But Tyler Adams, I mean, he, he, he's such a presence in the middle. He covers for everybody, covers so much ground, snuffs out threats before they become full-fledged threats and sometimes he has to put out the actual real threats and he does it every time so credit to him and the midfield the battle in the midfield was was the headliner right i said it in the, in the preview episode the battle in the midfield is going to be worth the price of admission and guess what the u.s won that battle and think about that england midfield jude bellingham uh, declan rice mason mount Talking about a lot of money in that midfield, right? $250 million, let's just say. $200 million, two, let's say $200 million, conservatively. $200 million central midfield. And guess what? Tyler Adams, Weston McKinney, Eunice Musa won that battle. Didn't start out that way. First 5, 5 10, 15, Bellingham was locked in. He was, he, he was probing. He was, he, you know, they had the U.S. midfield pinned back. First 510 early, but credit the US, they stabilized, they got into the game, they found their rhythm, and before you know it, the US took control of this match. Much of this first half, they, they controlled it from minute probably 15 all the way to probably minute 40. And toward the end of the first half, England did, did find a few threats, and, and Matt Turner, another man of the match candidate, steps up with the huge save on Mason Mount. And Turner was great. Turner had, Turner for me, he was SBI's man of the match, if, if you saw. Um, and for me, you, you could give him man of the match as well because not only did he make, did he make the saves that needed to be made, he, not only did he deal with free kick situations that were dealt with, he also, how about the ball handling? And uh, I, asked, I asked multiple players, and I asked Turner about that, about his, uh, you know, he, he was like an extra midfielder almost. With, with, uh, and we're talking about a player who has never really been known for his... his uh, Ball skills is on the ball. His his dribbling, his his touch on the ball is you know that's never been considered a strength. But on this day, he was you know what the confidence was there. As much as some of his teammates were a little nervous by some of the uh, some of the moments, 
But still, absolutely outstanding performance from Matt Turner. Confident you're on the ball today. Have you ever dribbled in, uh, that much in, uh, in a game? I just, I guess, touched into my uh, inner Jorge Campos. <laughs> That's all I can say about that. No, it's not really like me, but I think yeah, it just goes to show I've been putting so much work into that area of my game over the past few years, and where some, uh, I'm just pleased with how it all came out for me tonight in that sense. Yeah, it scared me a couple times, man. I don't want to see him playing playing out of the back like that. I know he plays for Arsenal, but come on. Um, I'm, I'm definitely, definitely happy, man. He's, he's such an important player for us. Um, you know, he takes so much stress out of the game for us, you know, coming out of the ball or coming out of the goal and claiming crosses, making some big saves when we needed them. So he did a great job. If there's a question mark about this team, it continues to be the attack and the inability to, to create consistent, dangerous chances. And, that, and that's, a, that's an issue, obviously. It's something that as much as this World Cup we've seen, it's goal, goals aren't easy to come by. I mean, yeah, for some teams it is, obviously, but in general, we're seeing a lot of defensive battles in this World Cup. We're seeing low-scoring affairs a lot in this World Cup, so it's something that it's not something just to take lightly and say, "Oh, it's not a problem." It is. It's something that that obviously the U.S. needs to improve on, and we'll see how they do against Iran. And, and obviously, it's all everything is on the line in that one: win and you are in. Tie is not good enough. A tie and you are going home, a loss, you are going home, win and you are in, and Iran is not going to go away easily. They're not to be taken lightly. You saw what they did to Wales. As much as that, you know, with the red card obviously helped Iran in, in the second half red card to Wales, uh, and Iran in stoppage time scores two goals, and we saw them late against England score a couple goals. So they're a team that's going to fight to the end. So that, that's, that's going to be a game. To be clear, it's not going to be an easy one. But the U.S., you have to think they're favored. So what else can we talk about as far as this U.S. team? I mean, Haji Wright, he, he did a ton of work defensively. Let's, get, let's give him credit there. There wasn't a lot of service his way. He didn't really have any chances in the attack. And obviously, as a striker, you are you're going to be a victim of, of, of just attacking uh, invisibility if no one gets you the ball and and, and to, to his credit he put in a lot of defensive work and that's never really been uh, something that he's been kind of lauded for that's not that you don't consider that necessarily a strength but I mean he showed it and maybe he showed that in training and that's why he got the nod in this one and again as much as yes he didn't have chances but he put in that defensive work up top so you got to give him credit for that uh, but all over the field, I mean, the center backs, Tim Ream, another outstanding performance. Walker Zimmerman, nice bounce back performance. And one thing I'll say about Walker Zimmerman, and this was, you know, I saw this 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 conversation taking place online regarding Zimmerman and how he did. And, you know, some people point to to some of the bad passes and what have you. Something that I'll note that is, I've always found fascinating, right, is that people tend to remember a bad pass. Or, or a kind of unforced turnover, and and they don't remember the the passes that are connecting, right? And it, it's like unless you're Xavi, <laughs> or you know you're someone that's going ninety for ninety, Tony Cruz, Tony Cruz, or whoever. It's easy you you can look at anyone's performance and just dwell on on the bad ones. But when you're Walker Zimmerman and you have the ball more than anybody on the field, and he did for the U.S. He had the most touches, the most passes. You have the ball that much. You're not going to com- complete all of them. I mean, we're not saying uh, that he is the the best passing center back on the planet. He's not, not even close. But 
I think sometimes people can just get caught up in dwelling on the ones they remember. And to be clear, there was one. I, I, there was one past in particular that, yes, it was a bad pass. Turn, it, was, it turned over and England got on the attack. And it was, and it was in the, the England attacking third. It could have been a threat. It got snuffed out. But still, it was a, it was a moment, right? And that's the one... And that's the kind of moment that people will dwell on, especially if you you don't are, if you don't rate Walker Zimmerman, if you don't think he should be starting, or if coming off of the Wales mistake and the penalty kick, that you know you didn't want him in the lineup, you are going to dwell on anything they do badly. I mean that that's just kind of the trend, right? That's just how some people who observe the games that's how they view the game. They don't you know you, it, rather than just be objective, you you go in with your biases. And look, we all have biases to a degree, but I, I just feel like sometimes it's easy to dwell on some of the mistakes. But if the guy has got 20 more passes than the next player on the list, more touches than anyone on the list, they're going to be a couple of mistakes. There, I mean, they're going to be a couple of passes that don't connect. But I think he was kind of. I think I think it was something like forty-three or forty-four in mid-range passing. I mean, that's pretty good. So let's give these guys let's give these guys some credit. And obviously, the fullbacks played well. Anthony Robinson going up against his birth country. Great game from him. Another good performance for him. He's had a good World Cup. Serginho Dest, a player who I, listen when the lineups came out. And we saw Serginho Dest matched up with Raheem Sterling. That was definitely the I'm in danger portion of the matchups. That was definitely the uh-oh, that could be ugly. But credit to Serginho Dest. And I feel like I've said this. He's a guy who can step up and, and rise to a challenge. Like he, he gets up. Some, you know, sometimes, not every time. Sometimes, yes, he gets beat. Sometimes killing Mbappe in Champions League. Uh, you know, Cavada in Napoli against Milan when he first joined Milan. And he comes off the bench and he gets toasted by Cavada. So, yeah, like it's not to say that he hasn't, you know, gotten beaten in, in big matchups, in big moments. No, but I do, I do know that there's been games where you've seen him play well. In, in kind of high-profile situations, and this was one of those, where he needed to step up, and he needed to win the battle against Raheem Sterling as much as most people would not have pegged him to win the battle against Raheem Sterling. And guess what, folks? He won that battle. Raheem Sterling was neutralized. And while there were some moments, yes, where he kind of you know found gaps and, and tried to make some things happen, for the, for the majority of the, of the game, Sterling was a non-factor, and, and you give Des credit for that. Not only that, he got forward well in the attack. He was he was feeling it. He was lively. He played. That was the player. That's the Sergio Dest, and, and I put it. On, I think I said it on Twitter. This is the Sergio Dest that Barcelona paid twenty five million for. This is the Sergio Dest that has become the lock starter for the U.S. men's national team. We haven't seen this level from him in a while. Obviously, the Bar- Barcelona situation, him falling out of favor there. And then going to Milan and, and not and, and struggling to get regular playing time there. He's in a bit of a tough moment in his career, no question. As young as he is and as, as relatively early as it is in his career, he's in a bit of a tough moment. But guess what? He stepped up in this moment, this biggest of moments, and had a good game. So hats off to him. Uh, and overall, just a lot of good performances there. Not, and if you want to dwell on the negative, it's definitely the attack and trying to create more chances, get into the final third. Christian Pulisic did have a great shot that he hit off the post, off the crossbar. Weston Kinney had a good look that he sent over. But overall, not, not the most chances. Some good spells, no question. But for me, the big takeaway is the, the, the victory in the middle. 
between England's impressive and talented midfield and the U.S.'s midfield. The U.S. won that battle. And that's why I think a lot of people came away from watching that match feeling like the U.S. was the better team. And they were the better team because that midfield was the better midfield on the day. Now, if we're going to talk about uh, negatives or other storylines, the Giorena storyline continues. And he did get into the game. He did make his World Cup debut, but he did not start and he did not come on until the final, I believe, 10 or 11 minutes of the match. He got he got his 11 minute cameo. And it continues to be a big question mark. What's the deal with Giorena? Why is Giorena not playing more? And, you know, the, the initial thing you can definitely point to is, look, Tim Weah has been great. Tim Weah is putting in a ton of work, not only defensively, but also getting forward. He, you can argue, oh, you know, how effective was he against England? But he, he was putting in him, him and Serginho Dest on that side of the field were, were excellent in terms of working together, in terms of overlapping, defensively putting the pressure on. They did the job. And I think when it comes down to it, it, from a physical standpoint, from a speed standpoint, and in terms of how he matches up, Weya gets the nod over Reina, right? And that's what it comes down to. Weya gets the nod over Reina in these matchups. He has gotten the nod. And credit to, to Weya, he's made the most of that. And he's, and he's started both these matches. Now, you can definitely make an argument for why can't you get Reina in sooner. Why is it not in the 70th or the 65th or what, you know, why is it in the 80th or why is it not at all as we saw in the Wales match? Although I continue and I will forever say that it was it was precautionary and Berhalter's own words, it was too soon to, to, to throw him in there. So I'm going to stick to that one for that one. But for the England game, I think you can get on Berhalter a bit for his substitutions and why he waited and why, you know, South, Gareth Southgate went to his bench before Berhalter went to his bench and you know, I'll give him a little slack in the sense that you could say that at that point in the match, the U.S. was in control or the U.S. was comfortable. The midfield was playing well. The team as a whole was 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 in a good rhythm. So you don't want to you don't want to jump the gun on your substitutions, especially if your team is kind of in a good flow and they're in a good spot. It wasn't as if it wasn't like the the second half of the Wales match where you felt the momentum in Wales's corner. You, you felt the Welsh take control of that half and and you felt like the US needed those substitutions to get on the field quickly. Against against England they, they were they were rolling. This US team was was in control and in the second half their midfield is just locked in and as much as I don't know, I feel like some people just kind of they're just so accustomed to substitutes. Okay, substitution, 60 75th minute. Where are they? 70th, 65th. Sometimes as a coach you're like, "You know what? I'm letting it ride." These guys are playing. They're locked in. I'm not going to force it. I'm not going to mess with the rhythm when they are locked in. And I think that's what happened. And that's why I think you could say, yeah, it felt like maybe five, ten minutes later than it could have been. But I wouldn't say it was five, ten minutes later than it should have been just because of the way the U.S. was playing at that point. So that one, I'll give Berhalter a little bit of slack. But still, for me, it is a little it is a little surprising. It is a little mind-boggling that Giorena isn't getting more time. But hey. Credit to Giorena. He is not. He's trying not to make a thing of this. Now we obviously the media. We're going to ask him questions, and he he, he did speak after the match uh, and talk a little bit about making his debut and just the match in general. And you know what? He he seems like you know he's rolling with it. He's rolling with it, and and he's uh, he's enjoying himself, waiting for the for his opportunities. Yeah, it was awesome. Uh, yeah, I'm just happy to be out there. So it was yeah, obviously 
really good game, so we're all happy. How are you guys feeling about the result given the performance? Yeah, I thought we did really well, obviously. A point against England is always really positive, so um, yeah, now we have all to play for next game, and you know we just got to take care and win. Still, still feeling 100%, I assume. I mean, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I still feel good, so I'm looking forward to the next game. Did Greg give you any indication of what your playing time would look like heading into tonight's game? Uh, No, but I said last time he doesn't have to. It's not his job. It's my job to be ready when, when my number is called. So, um, yeah. Did you have to talk to Jude at all after the game? Yeah, we, a... we were talking a little bit outside after the game and inside uh, in each other's locker rooms. But, uh, yeah, not much. It's just... We're just friends, so it was kind of just normal, normal conversations with him. Had you, you, like you guys talked about giving the Iran result earlier? Like, did, did that change the way you approached the game and all? Did no, we wanted to come full gas, 100%, you know, try to win the game. And, yeah, we'll take a point. But I think now our full focus is on Iran and, you know, just recover the next few days and then, yeah, be ready to win the game on whenever it is, I don't even know when it is, but Tuesday. Do you like the fact that it's a knockout game, that it's, you know, it is one of the home? Uh, yeah, I think, yeah, I guess I guess you could say that, but um, it's on, on our minds, it's just we got to win the game, so that's that's really it, you know, we're not really thinking about anything else, we're just three points and then we're through, so. What did it feel like walking on the field just like any other game, or did you feel like, wow, does it look like? Yeah, you think about it a little bit, but once you're in the moment, it just feels like kind of another game, but now it's obviously reflecting, it's, it's a cool moment, so. Could you, you hear the crowd and was the U.S. supporters louder than the England supporters or did you uh, tune it out when you're out there? You, you kind of tune it out. I think the both fans are pretty good today. So, um, yeah, it's nice to see all the all the fans travel here. Did you feel this one was for the taking? Like, did you leave anything on the table with you know, not finding that label? Today? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, I don't know. I guess a goal would have been nice, a win would have been nice, but at the same time you got to, got to understand that you played one of the best teams in the world so um yeah it's it's not easy against them and i think a point against them is always positive good yeah yeah I good mean, no ill effects no 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 sharp. Yeah, yeah good all good and now the u.s moves on to face iran on tuesday that's the big one win and you are in there's nothing else that needs to be said nothing else that needs to be done they just have to win that match won't be easy but they you have to think they're the favorite and we'll see if they get that job done and it's going to be very interesting to see what sort of lineup rotation you're going to see because you have to ask yourself, like, how realistic is it when you had 10 of 11 starters play start the first two matches? How many of those are you are you realistically going to go and start for a third straight match, a third match in what, eight days, nine days? That's going to be the big question there. How much rotation? I don't I mean, can you have a lot of rotation? How much rotation do you get Aronson and Reina in there? Do you consider a center back change? Uh, there's some questions there. So Junior Dest, can he go again? Do you go Shaq Moore, who came on against against England? So there's some questions there. We'll get into those in the next episode. Um, but it is going to be very interesting because if you're Burhalter, for those who, who, aren't, who aren't aware of how things are here at the World Cup, this is a bit of a different World Cup setup here in Qatar than in other World Cups where, you know, the team teams have to travel. Uh, they're set up in one place and they have to go to games, you know, fly, you know, however long to go to somewhere else like Brazil in 2014. Uh, the U.S. was set up in Sao Paulo. They had their base camp in Sao Paulo, but they had to fly up north. They had to fly to, to, to Manaus, to the Amazon. 
time. We're talking long flights uh, and, you know, the travel time and the recovery time. Uh, the thing, everything here is close. All the stadiums are relatively close. So they, you know, when they played this match, actually the match against England was at the stadium that's furthest from kind of the center of Doha and from where the most, where the biggest cluster of stadiums are. And even that is like a 45 minute ride. It's like a 40 minute ride or, or you know, an hour with traffic uh, from that stadium back to the base camp for, for the U.S. So, so, so the travel is whatever, like you, you have more time to recover. So you have to wonder, is that helping this group be able to, to play a third match in eight days? If it's, a large majority of the same starters. So we'll see what Berhalter does there. It's not going to be an easy an easy one, but um, it's going to be it's going to be a great match uh, Tuesday. The uh, the basically an elimination game, uh, U.S. Iran, and, and obviously we'll preview that. So make sure you tune in for that as well. Uh, and that's it. But that's it for this episode. Uh, you, you know, you definitely heard obviously from some from some of the players, and we'll have more in the coming days. So make sure you check it out. Make sure you're reading SBI as always. And if you haven't yet, please subscribe. Uh, definitely, uh, you know, try to su- support the site if you can, obviously. And and you know, we'll continue to try to bring you all the news and updates here. From Qatar, and, and as in case you don't already know, I am going to be here till the end. So even even after the U.S. is out, unless they make a run to the final, I mean, I will be here for that. So uh, make sure you tune in to SBI and make sure you tune into the SBI show. We will keep the episodes rolling. But that's all for now from Qatar. I'm Ivis Galarsa. This is the SBI show. <laughs>